podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of the Beyond the Known podcast, we're joined by Linda Maris, president at the National Christian Foundation of Wisconsin. NCF Wisconsin is one of 30 affiliates of the National Christian Foundation located in Atlanta, the sixth largest charity in the United States and the largest facilitator of donor-advised funds for Christians. Linda is called to inspire generosity and is passionate about community impact by mobilizing a generous church. Linda, welcome to the program. Good morning, Paul. Glad to be here. Well, glad to have you, and yeah, let's get right to it, shall we? You are one of the most generous individuals that I know. Can you kind of just walk us through where did this love of generosity come from? What made Linda Maris, Linda Maris? Oh my, I wasn't ready for that one. You know, just a desire to help people, I think. Out of college, went to law school, and did that out of a desire to make the world a better place and to help individuals and then started to volunteer at my church. There was a time when I went on, I think, seven or eight mission trips in a row and kind of got the addiction to being on mission trips and seeing different cultures, different worlds that were not something that we experienced, you know, here in Milwaukee. So describe these mission trips that you went on. Where did you go and what did you see? I mean, this was obviously a very impactful thing for you. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the big takeaways from these mission trips? Yeah, so I helped to lead our youth group at church and we had 35 kids. We traveled all over the United States and went to Puerto Rico. And then post, I guess, youth trip, I went to Guatemala and served there through uh, Groundworks Guatemala. And so saw both, I think, poverty here in the United States and ways to serve that population, and then also traveling abroad, both to Puerto Rico and Guatemala. So tell us a story from one of these mission trips. I mean, can you remember a specific example of something that really had a powerful impact on you? Maybe it was a person that you met and an event that you partook in. Give give us an idea of of just how powerful these experiences were based on a, a story that you can recall from those mission trips. Yeah, I'll try to make this short. Clearly, it comes to mind the day that I met Hilmer. And we were in Guatemala. We didn't really know how dangerous Guatemala City was, but we were kind of in this sanctuary with barred gates around us and every day we would go out and serve in a different community while we were there we were given the opportunity to sponsor kids and what was different about that experience is that you actually got to meet the children that you sponsor so i had already determined who uh linda wanted to sponsor and had made that commitment and then one night i was looking through their book of children and came across tilmare and he was in the most remote kind of third country rural farm village and his birthday was on november 11th and there was kind of this special way that my son robbie and i used to say i love you and it was 11 11 and i don't know how it got started it 
kind of when we see 11-11 on our phone, we text each other and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. So Hilmer's birthday was 11-11. And so we went to this village and I had determined that I wanted to meet him and to sponsor him. And it's just amazing because for 10 to $20 a month, you can put a child through school there. And if they have a teacher, they can have a classroom. And so I got to meet Hilmer and his mom, and he was the oldest of eight kids. And he was so determined to get through school, even though it was very hard, and to help support the family. So the, the touching part of all of this is I got to spend some time with him and meet him. And then probably about a year later, his mom had another baby girl. So it was number nine in their family. And she named their daughter after me. So it's a family that's very close to my heart. We write and we support them. And hopefully one day I'll get to see the family again. Changes your life. It really does. <laughs> I can imagine. That's certainly a touching story. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Would you recommend that most people listening to the podcast go on a mission trip at some point in their lives? And if so, why? Well, I think when you go on a mission trip, you get more out of it than you give. And so, you know, there are those that criticize mission trips because sometimes they take a lot out of the community. So you have to really pick a great sponsor and realize that you're there to serve in their culture, but you always learn more and you take away more than I think than you leave. Than you leave. Yeah, having never done a mission trip myself, I have that on my bucket list for sure. And this conversation is certainly reinforcing the importance of doing that. So I appreciate you walking us through that. Now you I'll just add one more thing, Paul. Sure. We have a mission field right in our backyard. When you look at Milwaukee, there are more needs than the church and the community can meet. And so I would encourage to take mission trips to Milwaukee. And there are organizations that you can do that through and spend a week and serve our community here. Let's talk about that then for a second, because hopefully through this conversation, we're inspiring people to take action. We're educating them and informing them. If somebody did want to get more involved in the Milwaukee community or otherwise, based on where they're listening, what resources should they check out? What organizations should they check in with to get some additional information. Can you share, shed any light on that for us? Yeah, it's a lot. There's a number of them. I would just say, give us a call. We can have a conversation because we don't do that. What we do is we're a connector with the community and those organizations that exist. So part of it is, you know, what's on your heart? What do you want to accomplish? And certainly there's Habitat for Humanity and Bridge Builders and uh, City on a Hill. Those are three that come to mind but they're not the only ones. There's great organizations that provide those types of opportunities on either a daily basis or a week-long experience. Yeah, we're certainly going to get a little bit more granular with the National Christian Foundation here momentarily because your organization is doing some truly amazing work, and we definitely want to let our listeners know more about the role you play and the important mission of your organization. But you mentioned this already. You didn't necessarily aspire to lead the National Christian Foundation, Wisconsin. Initially, you spent more than 25 years practicing law. Can you kind of just walk us through the transition that took place from law to the National Christian Foundation? Why did you take that step and why did it seem the appropriate time to make that transition? Yeah, so there was a significant event that took place in my life in 1996. It's a whole story in and of itself, but it really set me down this path on why am I here and what is my purpose in life? 
And at that time, there were not a lot of resources on purpose. You know, I would read the Bible and read uh, Ecclesiastes and try to glean from that. And then the Purpose Driven Life came out. And that's when I started to do a lot of mission work and working with youth. And I knew in my heart that God was preparing me for something else. And I was not interviewing. I did not have a resume. Kind of had all of these things come together in 2008 where I was asked to interview wasn't really looking for that at the time. And God called me to the National Christian Foundation and I was overjoyed. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, how do you know that God called you to that? I mean, what sorts of events were transpiring? Yeah, up until that point, I had never heard God specifically answer a prayer instantly or audibly speak to me. A lot of times, you know, because there's peace about a decision or you get these little whispers. But in this particular case, I specifically prayed that a personality test be used to tell me if this is what he wanted. And there's a whole story again behind that. I took this personality test, didn't research it, had never taken one before, blew through it in about two minutes. It felt like it closed me out so I couldn't compare my answers you know, as any good person's going to do, make sure there's consistency. And I was sure that I flunked the test. So I said, okay, well, you answered my prayer. If you don't want me to do this, I'm not going to do it. I think I flunked. And it was a personality test where it was aimed to meet a profile of what a president at an affiliate should look like. I called the prior executive director the next morning and I said, I am really sorry. I know you want me to have this position, but I'm sure I flunked this test. And She said, oh, no, we got the results back last night and you were 98% compatible, which honestly was probably one of the highest in the country for presidents. So I had prayed. I said, God, use this test because I wanted to know yes or no. So what advice would you give to some of our listeners right now that might be in that period of discernment? I mean, there's... It's not an easy thing to go from one career to another like you did. What advice would you have for some of our listeners that are contemplating making a switch, contemplating making the change, going through this period of discernment? Yeah, I'm a really big proponent in self-assessment tests. The more you know about yourself, the more comfortable you're going to be taking a leap. And there's just a piece about it. Like when you know it's the right fit, you're not weighing a decision. God answers a prayer or you know, you see how the intersections come together, or you know that this is the perfect job that's been out there waiting for you. Are there any specific self-assessment tests that you really like more than others? Well, Strength Finders is one. I think that's a good starting point. PDP we use, we use Myers-Briggs. And there's some around spiritual gifts, and then those that really define your purpose in life. That's a really big component for me because I'll talk about two things. I'll talk about values and purpose. So to really understand how you are created and to understand why you're here on this earth and then define it down. So we define it down to a two-word purpose statement. At NCF, we call it loves gives. Personally, mine was influencing well-being, but then I expanded it and cheated. And so it's influencing well-being and well-doing. It's, you know, being a resource and speaking into people's lives. And when you look at purpose, you think about what has been always true about me. And when I think back at 
even high school, people used to come to me for resources. And I don't know why. I think I'm a curious individual. I like to learn about a lot of different things. And so at NCF, we like to be a resource at well. It may be not impacting our foundation, but it impacts the community and people's lives. So we like to be a great resource. So purpose is a really big one. And then if you can hone it down to a two-word purpose statement, that's great. It's, you know, what are you doing? It's the noun and the verb. What are you doing and what group or issue are you influencing? So if anybody has questions on that, just give me a call. The other one, though, is values, to really do a value assessment. And we've got a test on that as well. And to know what your top five values are, because if you're going to a company that doesn't share those values, it's going to be a struggle. And so if you're working outside of your purposes, it's a struggle. If you're working in a company that doesn't share those same values, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, I would agree with that. My life experience has, has shown that to be true uh, based on some of the organizations that I've worked at along the way. But you talk about purpose and you talk about values. Gosh, it seems like a match made in heaven between you and the National Christian Foundation. Not only is it, does it appear to be a really good strategic alignment of your values personally with what the organization values, but your purpose in life combined with what the organization does on a day in and day out basis. Obviously, I'm familiar with NCF. Would you mind educating the listeners a little bit on NCF's mission, why you exist, and some of the really good services that you provide on an ongoing basis? Yeah, thanks, Paul. So we have a two purpose or like a, a two focus mission. So if you think about it, it's one of those to inspire generosity, and that's really a heart issue. And so we do a lot with families and communities around why should somebody be generous at all, the impact of that. And then there's more the how you give, and that's more the technical legal accounting tax part of it. So we're connecting the heart and the head in making strategic giving decisions. So when you look at how many people have a financial strategy, many don't have a giving strategy. And what happens then is they're missing opportunities to save on taxes and to be able to give more. So when you said not a lot of people have a giving strategy, can you quantify that? I mean, is this based on your experience 5% have a giving strategy, 25% have a giving strategy. Nobody has a giving strategy. That's a unique term. You don't hear that too often. What has your experience shown in that regard? I would just say a majority. Like some people's giving strategy might be, I'm giving $500 a month to my church. That could be a giving strategy. So those that do, maybe it's a simple giving strategy, but we have tools and resources to show people how to give so that they can have a bigger tax impact. And I'll say people usually give because it's a heart issue. They want to give. They, they love somebody or they love a cause or they have compassion about a need in the community. And so they give because their heart is aching for something. But then when you can couple that with a tax strategy so that there's tax benefits and you can give more, then there's more impact and joy that can come out of that. Can you give us an example of something that might be overlooked by individuals that do donate to charity? Yeah, and I'll say we are a ministry, and so everything that we do, we give to the public for free. You can go on our website, and all of the intellectual property is there for free for your taking. So part of it's the head knowledge, but then we're there to help families apply that. Or, you know, we work with families and businesses 
and churches and nonprofits and financial advisors. So it's connecting those dots and it's the application. There's two places to start. One is a donor advised fund. And donor advised funds are a tax tool that was created over 100 years ago. It started with community foundations where people could open up a donor advised fund. It's like a charitable checking account. So when a contribution is made to a donor advised fund, you get the tax deduction for that. But then the donor retains the right to invest those funds and to grant them out. So I think in your intro, you stated that the National Christian Foundation is the largest donor advised fund facilitator for Christians in the world, actually. So number one is if you are generous and you want to have bigger impact, look at a donor advised fund. So NCF calls ours a giving fund. All donor advised funds are operated differently, have different rules around them. We have a comparison sheet that we give out freely. And so think about opening up a fund because if, so an example, what happened during COVID the last two months are the 25,000 families that had donor advised funds with the National Christian Foundation had dollars that they had saved up that they could freely release. And so typically in any given year, our donors are giving out about 87% of what's in there. So we work as a flow through. We don't have an endowment mentality where let's build up a large balance and then just give off the top. So our donors are using it as a tool and freely giving. But in the last two months, I think there was a 30% increase over last year because there were dollars stored up and they went to three main causes. It was shelter, food, and humanitarian aid. And so it's a way that if you can give a little more, save it up so that when there's a need or a time, it's there, and then get the dollars out to do the work. Yeah, one thing I wouldn't mind diving a little deeper with you on is the COVID-19 pandemic and how that has impacted nonprofits. Uh, I think common sense would say that nonprofits have taken it on the chin a little bit with respect to this disruption, but you don't hear a whole lot about that in news stories. As somebody who's very well connected and influential in that world, can you paint a picture for us a little bit about how nonprofits are enduring and I guess what the state of that industry is as we start to emerge from this period of disruption? Yeah, that's really important, Paul, because if you think about 40 million people being out of work, those are people who give to their churches and to organizations that help. So that has kind of dried up. COVID hit during the busiest fundraising season for most nonprofits. You know, thousands of fundraisers were canceled. They had to figure out how to do them differently or do them online. And then on the other end, the need is up. So those that are in the area serving those affected by COVID, their needs are greater. So it's a kind of a perfect storm where, yeah, it's nonprofits have been hugely impacted. Now there are some that may be a little bit more insulated than others. There are some churches that were already doing online services and had cultures of generosity, that giving actually went up, but that's a pretty rare thing. Are you hearing any stories or examples of what some nonprofits are doing to stay ahead of the curve? Maybe some innovative ways that they're trying to generate this revenue to raise money, knowing that their donors are unemployed, knowing that there's disruption in the lives of these donors. 
Yeah, two trends that we see. One is just relationship. And so it's connecting with donors, making a phone call, doing a Zoom event, being a resource, checking in. Because, you know, number one, it's how are they doing and how is COVID affecting their family? Because a lot of nonprofits, their donors are part of the family. So, you know, just having that relational element. And then I've seen a lot of nonprofits go to virtual events. And they can do that in a number of ways. I think there's a virtual 5K run that came across my desk. So everybody's on the same day doing it, posting pictures, but they're not being together to do that. So creativity. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're familiar with this too, Linda. There's studies and papers and literature out there about the benefits of being a donor. Not just feeling good, but you know, the various benefits that you have by living a life of generosity, as you've talked about. Can you speak to that at all? And what benefits would some of our listeners potentially incur by giving generously to nonprofits they care about? So it really is like a ripple effect. Let's do this. Think about the most generous person you know. You don't have to tell me who it is, but think about that person. Okay, got somebody in mind? Got it. What words come to mind when you see that face? Happy, carefree. I'm going to use the word generous. And I don't think I've ever seen this person in public have a bad day. Yeah, joyful, right? So who doesn't want to be that way? So when you live a generous life, you're living with open hands. And the more that flows in, flows out. But if you have clenched hands, you can't receive. So there's a benefit for the individual to be generous, and that's looking at it, I think, selfishly, because I think you need to look at it as, okay, I have the opportunity to give and enjoy that, but who else can I impact through it? So it might have an impact in a family. It might have an impact in a business. It might have an impact on the recipient. And it just, it keeps going. Generosity is contagious. So we are used to being out in the public a lot and used to doing a lot. And so we've been kind of, you know, sheltering at home and working remotely and heard from donors that there's a lot of kind of pent up energy and people wanting to do something. And individually, the three of us at our office are like, you know, we need to do some project this summer to kind of live out compassion. And so we're doing a hygiene drive, a hygiene care drive. So many of the community are meeting the needs of food. Food, the the need for food is just unbelievable. Fortunately, the community has really responded and it's a very easy way to get involved. But what's not being, there was a gap, what's not being covered were um, hygiene items. And so if we can provide families with some of those items that frees up dollars that they can use for something else. So we sent this out yesterday, and maybe explosive is too large of a word, but the response was pretty large. People want to do something. And so we are having a curbside drop-off every Tuesday. We're partnering with Basics in Milwaukee. They're doing a drop-off on Wednesdays. And we're looking for sponsors. So if you're a business or if you're a church and you say, yeah, we can do a drive, You can register with us. We'll connect, give you resources, collect these particular hygiene items. We have a list of what's needed. 
and then we'll work with you on getting it to recipients who need it, or you can drop it off at our office on every Tuesday afternoon starting in July. Yeah, that's really good. And obviously, as I stated before, NCF is being a tremendous steward of the community, and it's wonderful to see you guys being as actively involved as you are, especially during this time of uncertainty and disruption. You've educated us well since you've come on about various aspects of the nonprofit community. I think some things about nonprofits are common knowledge, basically, in in terms of their need for funds, the various missions that these organizations have, the things they do to create awareness. As somebody who's on the inside of the nonprofit world, are there maybe one or two things about the nonprofit world that the common public just isn't aware of that you wish they would be? Yeah, so the other secret sauce, so to say, that we talk about a lot is a lot of people give out of cash. And that's great. You know, you look at what's our budget, what do we want to give this year and be intentional and give out of cash. But we work with families and advisors and nonprofits on non-cash gifts, typically appreciated assets. So if somebody can give a mutual fund instead of a cash gift, you're eliminating a capital gain tax. So the way that this works is let's say Somebody wants to give their church $1,000, but they have McDonald's stock that's worth $1,000 that has grown over time. If you give the stock directly to your church, nobody's paying the capital gain tax on it, and you still get the charitable deduction for the $1,000. So when you look at the numbers and you structure your giving correctly, you can really reduce the cost of your gifts sometimes. 40, 50, 60%, depending on the gift. Yeah, it's a nice strategy, something individuals probably are not necessarily aware of, which again, utilizing NCF as a resource in this degree, obviously that's uh, some nice education that you can provide. Linda, you had mentioned the word generosity repeatedly during this conversation. What does generosity specifically mean to you? It means when you have something and others have a need, you can give it to them. Sometimes it's out of excess, sometimes it's out of sacrifice, but it's having a heart of compassion and wanting to help those that are under-resourced. So, you know, with what's going on, not only COVID, but in the last couple of weeks around the death of George Floyd, it just really highlights and puts a spotlight on the fact that we have communities that are under-resourced that are adversely affected by what's going on. And so, you know, if you have the ability, you can help. And although you're a remarkable woman, you're immensely talented, something tells me that you were probably shown a good model or two of generosity along the course of your life. I wouldn't be shocked if you figured this out all on your own. That's why I said I hold you in very high regard. But who taught you? how to be generous, who emulated in your life living an existence of generosity? Where did you kind of pick up some of this influence from? I think it starts in the family, and that's a really good point, because as parents, you know, we have a very short time to teach our kids what's important. And so it started with my grandmother, who was very involved in the community, constantly giving pies away and food away. You know, my own parents, somebody needed a meal, they provided a meal. And so it wasn't always 
a financial check, but it was that spirit of who's in need, who's hungry, can we help them? Can we at least give a little bit, give something? Let's say I'm inspired by this conversation, which I certainly am. You've given us a lot of good stuff to think about. And I go home today and I say, you know what? Starting today, I'm going to teach my kids the importance of generosity. Can you give me some tips on how to do that? It's one thing to say it, but how can a parent such as myself start to make a concerted effort to teach my children about the virtues of generosity? So just know there's a lot of resources out there. So your kids are younger and having giving experiences where you in your mind intentionally say, okay, I'm going to make this about an experience. I know like right now we're in a COVID situation. A lot of people aren't in stores, but I know donors who take their parents shopping and when they see somebody that they feel inclined to help, they'll help them or they'll buy their groceries or they'll buy something. Or, you know, even at Starbucks, if you pay for the person behind you, or I used to carry gift cards in my car for McDonald's. And when I'm in the city, you know, there's concentrated poverty in Milwaukee. When I'm in the city, I just see the need also more. It's just more obvious. So I would have those gift cards available where I could just bless somebody with a gift card. And so being prepared, doing generosity exercises. Oh, I know. So here's a really good one. We did this with our board a number of years ago. We sent them an envelope that had either a $5 bill, a $10 bill, or a $20 bill. And they had two weeks to give it to somebody and to be generous with it. And then we talked about it. And so we did this with our kids as well. So to give them you know, $10 and let them see what they do with it. Some of them bought products and made gifts we had a very, it was kind of shocking, with a very, like one of our most generous financial donors struggled with this. And he said this was a very impactful exercise because he didn't know anybody personally that needed it. So he really took it to heart and he searched out somebody that he could give it to that, that really needed it. So we used to call the, well, we do call them giving exercises and, you know, think of creative ways to do that. We did it actually in our church where one Sunday we collected coins, the next Sunday we collected dollar bills, and then the next Sunday we collected bills, anything over than a dollar. And we picked out three different projects where we could use these collections to help. And it was kind of a giving exercise for the kids because they could participate in it. And then I think we voted on perhaps the projects outside of the church where they would go to. But if you talk about it, if you exemplify it, which I know you do, Paul, you are a generous person. And so you're already teaching your kids. But talk about it, you know, live it out in your own life, but then be intentional and do exercises. And the other thing I'll throw in there is for those who have older kids, we use our giving fund and give them on occasion dollars that they can give away. So they select a charity and we give it through our family giving fund. And then we talk about why they chose the charity that they did. And it really kind of reveals when they're older what their heart is and why they can talk about why they picked out that particular charity. Yeah, some good insight there and some worthwhile exercises for sure. I have to imagine to some degree, maybe high net worth individuals or just other people generally, 
maybe they, they have a, a pot of money that they want to give out. There's a number of nonprofits within the space that they're passionate about that they want to support. But they're looking at this more as an investment decision, not because they want to get an ROI necessarily, but because, hey, I'm going to give X amount of dollars to an organization. I want to make sure that I'm investing in the right mission. I want to make sure that they're a good steward of these dollars. For an individual who wants to do some due diligence on a nonprofit, what types of things should they be looking for? And can you give them some tips on how to pick a worthy nonprofit if that's the case? Yeah, so there are some websites where you can go in and put in the charity name and pull up tons of information. GuideStar is one of them that we use. But if it's local, follow the leader. So a lot of people give because they have confidence in the leadership of the organization or it's just a cause that's on their heart. If anybody wants to have a conversation about where to give effectively in Milwaukee, we can be a neutral resource on that. And then we created a landing page on our website, particularly those organizations that are addressing COVID-19 needs. And so there's resources that you can pull up through that as well. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing to do your due diligence because you have to look at overhead and, you know, sometimes for national organizations, what the CEO is paid. You know, it just depends on what you value and, and what's important. So help me fill in the blank here as best you can. People listening to this podcast today should call the National Christian Foundation if. They want to have a conversation about charitable giving. And it's as simple as that. We're in the relationship field. And so call us if you want to get to know us and have a very simple conversation about charitable giving in their families and in their lives. And Linda, what would be the best contact information for individuals to use? What would be the best route for them to take if they desire to get in touch with the NCF? ncfgiving.com slash Wisconsin. Or just Google National Christian Foundation Wisconsin in your Google search and it'll pop up. But it's ncfgiving.com slash Wisconsin. Earlier, when we posed the question to you, what drives you, you had said that your purpose statement is to influence well-being in doing. What does that mean to you? In individuals and in organizations, when I have resources that will influence how they do things and their personal being. So, you know, your well-being is all-encompassing, mind, heart, soul, body. And it's, it's very broad. That's why it's, you know, only two words. It's very broad. But, you know, I'm passionate about things like nutrition and exercise and devotion and reading the Bible. And so all that encompasses well-being. But then well-doing is, you know, having goals and strategies and purpose in your life that you can follow a plan. I work with particularly a lot of women about a one-page business plan. It's a personal growth plan where we can put all of their, you know, set out on one page, their three to five-year goals, what their strategies are, what their goals, and what's driving those. Well, Linda, this has been a very enjoyable conversation. If you don't mind indulging me here, we've gotten to know professional Linda fairly well, even to some degree the personal Linda. We discussed that a little bit. 
Before we let you off the hot seat here at the Beyond the Known podcast, we do like to do what we call a lightning round, just some questions designed to get to know you a little bit better. The, the sillier side, perhaps, of Linda Maris. I promise you no physical harm will come to you during these questions, but just to kind of put you on the spot here real quick, would love to hear how you would answer some of these questions. Does that sound okay to you? I'll give it a go. That's all we ask for, Linda. And again, it's the lightning round. So rather quick answers will do just fine. Question number one, Linda Maris, you have to sing karaoke. What song do you pick? I will survive. (laughs) Gloria Gaynor. All right. Or dancing in the streets. (laughs) (laughs) Those songs are going to be in my head all day now. Thank you very much. How about this one? You have your own late night talk show. Who do you invite on as your first guest? Melva Henderson. And why, if you don't mind me asking? I love the lady. She's an inspirational leader in our city. She's a pastor at World Outreach Church. She has Melva Henderson Ministries. I love her as a woman, but as a mother and a grandmother and a leader in our city. And she probably has the most generous, compassionate heart that I know. Well done. The last lightning round question. I can see you sweating over there. Don't worry. Last one. If you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Salad. Because I do it. (laughs) I eat a salad every day. I'm pretty much vegetarian, almost vegan, don't eat sugar. And my body craves greens and craves salads. And so I can get pretty creative on how you make a different salad for a month. Well, you and I have to talk then, Linda, because my body craves everything other than greens. So, boy, I think I've got a lot to learn from you in that regard. Awesome. Thank you, Paul Newberger. Yeah, really do appreciate it. And Yeah, hopefully we'll have you back on the show sometime soon. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.